2: there's more information out there than ever before. Mm-hmm. And what I always stress to my families is that too much information increases mm-hmm. stress, which is also not great for the body. Right. So creating some boundaries mm-hmm. around consumption can be really helpful, mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age, yeah. right? So how much time are we spending on social media? How much time are we listening to podcasts versus soothing music, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So creating some, some, limits around consumption, I think can be really helpful.
1: You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley.
2: Dr. Michelle, welcome to She. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yes. Thank you for being here. I am looking forward to this conversation about just really foundational health practices for you know our families and practicing preventative and natural care. But as we get started, I'd love if you can just share a bit of your background, what you do, and tell us a little bit of what led you to take a more holistic route toward health.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Really, all started as in childhood. I was really a very sick child. I had a lot of digestive issues. I had chronic constipation. I remember growing up, many meals would leave me kind of curled up in a ball for mm. for many years. I literally lived off of tums. Mm. Um, which now looking back. Makes me wonder how much that was contributing to the long haul of my disease. And then once I hit menarche, I had really painful periods, lost lots of uh, school time and And then once I made it to college, I was taking a pre-med track. So I was planning on going into traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. And this is really when my, specifically my digestive symptoms really started to affect my quality of life. Mm -hmm. And I decided, you know, enough's enough. I had been through the traditional medical world, you know, as many of us have and was really dismissed and not given a lot of solutions or answers, to be honest, uh, which is very frustrating and can feel pretty hopeless. Mm -hmm. And so come college time, I had a friend who was seeing a naturopathic doctor in Mm -hmm. Michigan. And we are in Michigan is a pre licensed state, meaning we are not currently licensed. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know about naturopathic doctors at that point. And my friend was like, you really need to go see my ND. And I was really, uh, Really hesitant, uh, to be honest. I grew up in a traditionally medical family. My mom is an ultrasound technician. I grew up, at, you know, when I was sick and couldn't go to school. Both parents worked, and so I spent time a lot of time at traditional medical offices, and so that's really all I knew. But I was really desperate. I worked for many months uh, to be able to afford to go see this naturopathic doctor in Ann Arbor, in Michigan, and honestly, she changed my life. Mm. She changed my physical health. She changed my mental health and obviously changed the trajectory of my life. Literally oh, wow. within three months of seeing her, I had never felt better. Yeah. And because it is a pre-licensed state, they can't do a lot of lab testing and mm. high level care. She was doing True foundational medicine mm. that I never knew about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I completely shifted gears and I, I remember leaving her office for the first time and calling my mom and I was in tears. And I was like, mom, like, how did I not know this existed? She mm. empathized with me. She validated me. She gave me solutions. She connected a lot of dots between my experience and my symptoms. And so I changed the trajectory. I ended up going to naturopathic medical school in San Diego. And really now my job as a naturopathic doctor is to educate and empower parents to really take their family's health into their own hands and work together to find the root cause of disease. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, I feel like I have the best job in the world. I love it. Absolutely love it. That's amazing.
1: And you know, I love what you said about how you were almost like, how did I not know about this? It truly is Mm kind of like, I think in our very Western medicine dominated culture, which I think is starting to shift some. But I think just um, so many of us grew up only knowing that. Like when you think of healthcare, you think of a doctor's office. And when you start to dig deeper into root causes, holistic approaches, preventative care, integrative medicine, all of that, a whole new world opens up. You're like, I feel like I've been living a lie, but not, you know, like you've only known like one part of, or one way to address health. And really, I feel like it's the difference between preventative and reactive. And there's definitely a time and place for Mm -hmm. reactive and for treatment. But I think we've just gotten to the point as a society where we just focus on that. And we only really know that and the breakdown happens. And then we're trying to like reverse that, right. Or like, or manage the problem with it. And not even realizing how much there is that we could do to not only heal and treat from a more natural perspective once the breakdown does happen but also prevent the breakdown in the first place. Yes. And I love what you said about taking your health into your own hands because I think man that's just like something that is such an empowering way to think about it but so often we I think we just outsource health so much to the professionals to mm-hmm. the people with the letters behind their name and those people are important like we need them right we need naturopathic and western medicine doctors Absolutely. but we don't realize The power we actually do have, and that it's really like no one cares about our health more than we do. It's just, you know what I mean? Like that's such a huge responsibility and an opportunity at the same time. So, yeah, and and nobody,
2: totally, and nobody cares about health and their Mm -hmm. family's health more than moms. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Right. And and, and, uh, what I find in my practice is a lot of families uh, were never exposed to the natural world, similar Mm -hmm. to me. And then they become mothers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. their world opens up Mm -hmm. and then they start questioning things. Right. Mm -hmm. What's in vaccines? I don't want to give Tylenol for fevers. Oh, what do I do for fevers? Mm -hmm. How am I really supposed to feed my child? Mm -hmm. How do I prevent the conditions that I maybe had growing up? And then they start going down this rabbit hole. And I want to be clear that it's not naturopathic medicine versus Western medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people go into or maybe see naturopathic doctors and think that we are anti-Western medicine. Mm-hmm. And I pers- can prescribe medications in my office mm-hmm. and I do very, very sparingly. But when I need to, I'm very happy that we have the ability, yes. right? Yeah. That, that we have the resources to say, give antibiotics mm-hmm. or steroids when needed, mm-hmm. or if somebody broke their leg to right. go to the hospital. These yeah. are really important things. However, Western medicine is not very good mm-hmm. at chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And with the time allotted that, mm-hmm. you know, traditional. Traditional medical doctors have in appointments, a well-child appointments. They don't have time to talk about the foundations mm-hmm. of health, mm-hmm. right? And that is one of the the major benefits of seeing a naturopathic doctor. Is my appointments are somewhere between thirty and one hundred and twenty minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not we spend a minutes, lot of time. Right.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, no, it's true, and that's where I think. The the current model for so many, you know, typical Western medicine doctors, it is like in and out because insurance and the reason, the way they have to run, like they have to see as many patients as possible and mm-hmm. they really don't have the capacity, even if they desire to, and they have the heart to help people find root causes, it's not set up to help them succeed in doing that, being like within right. the system, you know? Yeah. So I love that. Okay. So yeah, I sucks. know you've said <laughs> yeah that genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Can you talk a little bit about the concept of epigenetics? and what types of things can impact how our genes are expressed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love that saying because I think it really gives us the agency, Mm -hmm. right, for our own health. And it comes back to the principle of epigenetics like you talked about. So epigenetic modifications are really just molecular switchers or what I call molecular magic Mm -hmm. that transforms our genetic makeup of our individual cells, tissues, body systems Into our visible traits or what we call our phenotype, essentially how our diet, lifestyle or environment influences our genes, which then influences how our bodies work Mm -hmm. and then can actually turn up what I think of is like a thermostat dial. Mm -hmm. It turns up towards disease or it turns down towards health. Mm Yeah. Right. And so when we think about these epigenetic marks, they're very flexible and they respond to dietary modifications, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. lifestyle factors, movement, stress definitely impacts our, our genetics and inf- environmental toxicants. Somebody called uh, Dr. Lucia Aronica recently coined the term phytoepinutrients, Mm. essentially specific foods that have been shown in the literature. And this is not like new knowledge, especially like historically, but now we have the literature to show that there are specific foods that directly impact on a very large scale, our genetics. So Mm -hmm. some things that, again, we think of already as superfoods, Mm -hmm. things like eggs, Mm -hmm. right? Like super nutrient dense, Mm -hmm. liver, Mm -hmm. wild salmon, Mm -hmm. broccoli, spinach, blueberries, Mm -hmm. beets, carrots, essentially things with color, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Whole foods. When you think about whole foods, all whole foods impact our genes to a certain level. Mm -hmm. So when we think about our daily actions, and this is why I preach like the small actions, not the big revolutionary mm-hmm. things that we can do, mm-hmm. the small actions that we do on a daily basis or on a very regular basis are the things that are going to impact our long-term health for mm-hmm. our families. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so true. And I think that's so important for people to hear. I mean, even myself having been you know doing a lot of these lifestyle things for years now, it can just... It can just be such a good reminder that this isn't about overhauling everything overnight or doing some massive Mm -hmm. program or, you know, like I think we think of health. I think even sometimes in our culture, we're like getting healthy as doing a, you know, boot camp that is like (laughs) some intense, you know, workout boot camp or something that's just like a huge lifestyle shift. And while those things can be helpful, there's nothing wrong with doing like a reset or something like that remembering that you're laying the foundations with your daily decisions and just letting each I've heard somebody say once, actually, I think it was a guest on my podcast, but it's so irrelevant to this. They said, just let your next decision be a better one. It's just making mm-hmm. one better decision at a time. And those like little daily like habits that you build. And you just start by building one at a time by swapping out your, your hand soap or by, you Absolutely. know, adding a chiropractor appointment every other week or whatever it might look like for you. And just kind of letting those things slowly integrate into your lifestyle. And then over time, you realize your lifestyle suddenly looks so different than it did, but it didn't happen overnight. And I think just remembering that it's like the small action steps and one small thing at a time make, that makes such a difference and that the things that you can sustain are the things that will make the biggest difference. is so like, I don't know, it's like a relief, I think, for people to hear. So I'm glad yeah. that you said that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think just, just realizing that these foundations are, are just so important, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of people think we we need to do these big things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do therapeutically, mm-hmm. right? If we are, are seeing disease or we are in a very stressful situation, sometimes we do need to, to add on some additional layers of mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. But when we're thinking about long-term health, we need it to be sustainable as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely, yep. Okay, so this is something just even relevant to it being sustainable as a parent. And or anyone who's trying to improve their health, but I think especially parents and people who are really busy, it can be really overwhelming when there's so much information about there out there about how to be healthier. So I know that this kind of information overload makes it really difficult to know like who to trust, what to trust, what to do, what not to do. Right. And it can make us not even really want to try. So what Mm -hmm. advice do you have for those who are wanting to keep their families healthy but feeling a little overwhelmed by it? How can
2: we, you know, simplify the process a bit? Yeah, I hear this a lot from patients and from clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there's more information out there than ever before. Mm-hmm. And what I always stress to my families is that too much information increases stress, which is also not great for the body. Right. So creating some boundaries mm-hmm. around consumption can be really helpful, mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age, mm-hmm. right? So how much time are we spending on social media? How much time are we listening to podcasts versus soothing music, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So creating some, some limits around consumption, I think can be really helpful, especially in the phase where we're starting to make those transitions because it can be a big rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And it can feel overwhelming. And like, we need to overhaul our whole entire life overnight. And again, that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so if this is you for the listener, if you're feeling like, Okay, I want to make some changes. I feel really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I want you to start with looking at how much time am I spending for, with consumption, mm-hmm. okay, of information, and then I, I like to think about baby steps, mm-hmm. okay. And for me, and this is what I did with my family, is we started room by room. Mm-hmm. So instead of feeling like okay, we're going to switch a couple things in the kitchen, we're going to sw- switch a couple things in the in the bathroom, we did it one by one. So in the kitchen. Okay, what can I switch? Maybe we switch plastic to glassware. Mm-hmm. Maybe we switch nonstick pans to cast iron stainless steel. Mm-hmm. Go through our cabinet, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe looking at how much processed food do we have in comparison to whole foods, yeah. right? Yeah. Looking yeah. at that ratio, how many things do we have that have seed, seed oils in them? then making a list. Mm -hmm. So what I usually recommend is we don't need to switch over, say, products that we just bought. Mm -hmm. You could, if if finances aren't an issue, Mm -hmm. maybe you can. But uh, again, sometimes it's more realistic to say, hmm, okay, my dishwasher soap is not the best quality. I'm going to make a list. Okay, I'm going to put the dishwasher soap on my list. Mm -hmm. And when I finish it, I'm going to do some research in the meantime to find a better brand to swap it. The next time I have to buy dishwasher soap, yeah. Then once we make some, we feel like we're making some good progress in that area of the house. Then we swap switch over to a different, maybe the living room. Yeah, we need to get a better vacuum. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Right. I love, so, yep. so I love so the room really by room approach steps. too because that's you know it allows you to have like a focus area. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have a long list of a lot of things you could do differently, but it's like taking it room by room and even like product by product within that room simplifies it so much. So I love that suggestion. It's totally bite-sized and doable, you know? And it's like, you actually end up, I don't know if you felt like this when you started shifting things in your life, but I feel like I kind of ended up flying through it once. I kind of got one or two swaps made within, I was like, oh, okay. You know, you just kind of like roll with it, but trying to tackle the whole beast at once is just like, Nope, Mm-mm.
2: for sure. And I think once you find like the the products, and once you find once you find the brands that you mm-hmm. trust, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know where to buy them, mm-hmm. maybe you know where the discount where the discount code lies mm-hmm. uh, to decrease the cost. It just gets easy, right? It just yeah. becomes part of your normal rhythm. But it does take some time and an intentionality to yeah. get the ball rolling. Yeah. yeah,
1: so good, so true. Okay. I want to also talk about, we talked about this kind of like foundational doing the small thing. So what are some foundational areas of health that you think have the greatest impact for families? I think this is helpful in the like where to start conversation.
2: Absolutely. So in my practice, I stress nutrition, sleep, movement and play. Mental, emotional, spiritual health, gut health, and environment. Mm. So, in every single appointment, and when I'm educating families, when I'm writing blogs on my website, these are the foundations that I am focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, we can do all these higher level things, but we cannot out supplement a poor diet yeah. and somebody who is extremely stressed. Mm-hmm. And so focusing on these seven foundations are, are really what's going to move that needle. And I, I love that you talked about, you know, you just have to make one new decision for me. I always stress, I grew up boating. And so I think about that one degree of difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you're sailing, one degree of difference is going to take you to a yeah. different continent. Yeah, <laughs> and true. so if we're just making really small shifts in terms of nutrition, prioritizing sleep, getting our kids out moving and playing and being more creative with Mm -hmm. less structure, Mm -hmm. creating some spiritual practices or rhythms Mm -hmm. in our life can make a huge difference. Yeah, that's so good. I love that sailing example.
1: (laughs) So good. Okay, so you said nutrition, sleep play and movement. Was there a fourth one? Did I make that up? Uh, play and movement, mental, emotional, spiritual health, Okay. Yep.
2: Got health, and environment. Yep. So good.
1: Okay. So speaking of foundational health and all of that, let's talk about habits. What are some small and intentional habits that we can take to optimize a child's health if we're a parent, rather than just r- making random radical changes? Like what are a couple of things you'd, you'd advise parents to do first to support their children's health?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I always start with diet. So okay. prioritizing as much whole foods, lots of color, mm-hmm. uh, as much organic as possible or as accessible mm-hmm. to limit how much the pesticides are affecting our gut and our kind of overall health. So just mm-hmm. prioritizing as much whole foods as possible. For a lot of my families, I recommend doing a CSA program, which is, a you know, mm-hmm. you can get like a box delivered of fruits and vegetables from like a local farm. Mm -hmm. And that's a really feasible way and usually cost-effective way to get in more fruits, vegetables, and variety. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but even my husband and I, we get stuck in kind of like the same rhythm, right? (laughs) Like the same meats, the same vegetables, the same fruits. Um, And in reality, the foods that we're eating, especially seasonally, Mm -hmm. are drastically affecting our genetics. Mm -hmm. And so if we're eating oranges... In the winter, when oranges are not grown, Mm -hmm. that is kind of confusing to our system. Mm -hmm. And so eating as much whole foods in season as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Uh, And then, like we mentioned in terms of products, intentionally bringing products into the home, reading labels. What I say is, Mm -hmm. if I don't know what the ingredient is on the product, Mm -hmm. I just don't buy it. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll wait and do a little bit more research. Yeah. That's good. And then That's I'm good. a huge advocate for spending as much time outside as possible, yeah. right? We know that, uh, free active play without structure leads to uh, better focus, better attention, better sleep. We see that kids are more creative, uh, not to mention letting our kids get dirty. We know that Mm -hmm. kids that say grow up on farms, Mm -hmm. um, that spend a significant amount of time outside in the dirt around animals have a decreased risk for things like eczema and allergies. Mm -hmm. And that's not by, uh, you know, that's not surprising at Mm -hmm. all as a provider. It's because their gut microbiome is being flooded with a diversity Mm -hmm. of microbes.
1: Yeah, well, I've never realized that. That makes so much sense. So that's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. Have you ever wanted to live a little bit more of a natural and holistic lifestyle for the sake of your well-being and your family's well-being, as well as to be a little bit more self-sustaining, but just felt really confused on where to start, especially if you can't just like up and move to a farm tomorrow? Look, when I first started my holistic wellness journey, I remember I felt so overwhelmed. There's so much information all over the internet nowadays, and it's so hard to discern and to know which brands are truly clean and how do I source food locally and where do I even begin with all this stuff, especially if I have a busy life and I live maybe in an apartment or or a suburban life, or I just don't have like goats in my backyard to go milk, you know? Like, h- how do I do this? And um, it can be really overwhelming. So, what I did is I wanted to take the guesswork out of it for you because I think one of the biggest things that holds so many of us back is not only the financial side of it and the worry that it's going to be more expensive, but also the time. Most of us don't have months or years to invest in researching and reading labels and figuring out how to do that and doing all this research on our own so we just don't and we kind of get stuck. So what I wanted to do is create a quick start guide for you and it's called the Lifestyle Overhaul Guide. It is a step-by-step quick start guide to living a more natural and sustainable life and it is laid out in a step-by-step format. It covers everything from budgeting for these changes to really reducing stress and creating a more sustainable schedule and lifestyle in terms of your time to cleaning up the products in your home and reducing your toxin burden, how to really start with that and what to prioritize and how to do that in a budget-friendly way to sourcing more food locally shortening your supply chain, being less reliant on the grocery store and big food systems, and starting to really use the resources in your local community. I'm giving you all the best resources on how to find those things, how to source those things and how to get started right where you are. So if that sounds like something you need, you can tap the link in the show notes on this episode, or just go to jordanleedooley.com slash lifestyle overhaul to check out all the details and grab yourself a copy.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer? Upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com/she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's t h r i v e market.com/she. thrivemarket.com/she. Okay, so speaking of that, you also mentioned movement. And I know we know that's important. We know it's a foundational aspect of health, but kids are more stationary than ever in today's society between seven to eight hours, school days and like homework Mm -hmm. and all of that. So what are some fun and realistic ways to get your child to move daily and how can this support their overall
0: health?
2: Yeah. So I usually recommend putting it as like a family activity. Mm -hmm. Mm Okay. Because if we are not moving, our children are not going to move say, right. They are yep. not seeing, and we're not modeling it for them. Yep. Um, similar to diet, they're not going to do it. And so I usually recommend if, if we're feeling like we're not getting a ton of movement, the number one recommendation I give is having some sort of movement following dinner. Mm, that's good. Whether that's a family bike ride or a family walk or maybe play soccer in the backyard mm-hmm. or play tag in the house, mm-hmm. doing some sort of, you know, it doesn't have to be very long, 10 to 15 minutes of uh, good, regular movement Mm -hmm. after that mealtime yeah that's good um I oftentimes recommend you know putting like park dates on the calendar Mm -hmm. I have a lot of families that will do like obstacle courses in their backyard or inside Mm -hmm. a lot of families I mean I know you guys are in the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest. We spend a lot more time inside, um, especially in the winter. And Mm -hmm. so I think if we spend a lot of time inside, really evaluating what rules, um, Mm -hmm. whether that's uh, spoken rules or maybe subconscious rules, do we have around movement for our family inside? And what I mean by that is, uh, say, for me growing up, I wasn't allowed to say, jump on the couches. and again, we have to be safe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we still have to have some rules, Mm -hmm. but can our children run around our house Mm -hmm. safely without us saying, Hey kids, stop running. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or do we have a safe space for them to Mm -hmm. jump, climb, swing, roll on yoga balls Mm -hmm. that can foster that free movement on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's great. I love those ideas too. I think that I was just thinking about that when you said the importance of getting outside. I'm like, man, it's so tough, like three to five months out of the year when it's just gross where you live, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and having to get a little bit creative. Like, okay, how do they? how do we get them moving? You know, how do we get them a little bit of fresh air without freezing them? How do we, you know, get creative in our homes like and doing it in a safe way? So I love those ideas. That's great. Okay, you also touched on the microbiome a little bit you touched on when you Mm -hmm. were talking about the kids who are raised on farms and get out and get dirty and all that. So I know gut health is another important part of health. And we're discovering this more and more. Just I feel like this is so much more talked about now. But what strategies do you recommend to parents to support their children's gut, especially if they don't live on a farm?
2: (laughs) Yeah, Totally so when we think about environmental medicine the first thing I think about is avoidance okay Mm -hmm. so what what can we avoid that is going to impact our guys? so some things I think about are pesticides on our foods Mm -hmm. like I mentioned so Mm -hmm. buying as much organic using the dirty dozen the clean 15 Mm -hmm. to determine which foods to prioritize Mm -hmm. organic versus non-organic because pesticides can like it's killing off things on our plants it's also killing off our microbiome Mm -hmm. right things like Tylenol, antibiotics, over-the-counter antacids, Tums. All of these things impact our gut. Same as stress, okay? Some things that we can add in to benefit our microbiome. I'm a huge advocate for fermented foods. And a lot of parents will say, uh, I don't eat fermented foods. Mm-hmm. So why I'm like, my, my child was never going to eat fermented foods mm-hmm. and don't discount it until you try it. A mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of kids will eat fermented foods from the first try. Mm-hmm. And if they won't in the first try after a couple of times, oftentimes they will. Mm-hmm. Um, so different fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, those are the typical ones I usually say start with uh, sauerkraut, mm-hmm. specifically adding in the brine. Mm-hmm. So if your child or you have never uh, had fermented foods or we're not eating it on a regular basis, our taste buds need to adapt. Mm-hmm. And so it is going to taste different yeah. than a lot of the foods we typically eat, right? Yeah. So I oftentimes will recommend adding a small spoonful of sauerkraut brine. that's not flavored just a plain sauerkraut into, say, smoothies or drizzling over vegetables. Mm. Um, We don't want to heat it uh, Mm. because it is going to kill off some of the microbes. And so, you know, adding it after we already cooked our food and then slowly adding in a, a serving of a fermented food at least once daily. We know the literature is very clear that actually fermented foods are superior to probiotics. And so, while probiotics do have a place in medicine, and I surely use them in my practice therapeutically, Mm -hmm. for preventative medicine, fermented foods are an amazing way to use food as medicine. It has a wide diversity of microbes Mm -hmm. to help keep that balance of that ecosystem within our body. Yeah. So, that's a really it was a easy way to mm-hmm. support our microbiome and you got to play around with it, right? Like some kids love sauerkraut. Some kids love kimchi. A lot mm-hmm. of families will shy away from kimchi because it is, can be spicy depending on what type you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and some kids love kimchi, mm-hmm. the spicy kind. So just playing around with that and you can start, I usually recommend starting fermented foods as soon as we start introducing solid foods. Yeah. Do you okay. ever
1: recommend pairing it with
2: something to make it more palatable? I don't, okay. to be honest, because most of the kids love it. Okay. Most of the kids love it. Um, Once their taste buds kind of like get used to it, okay. there's a, a specific brand. I'm forgetting the name of the brand right now, but there is a dill pickle one mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of like the natural food stores have sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. And it tastes like pickles. Huh. <laughs> and so for kids that love pickles, that is a really great sauerkraut to try to kind of right. like transition that in the diet.
1: I'll have to get your, um, once you find the brand, I'll have to get it from you so we can put it in the show notes. Cause now I'm like, yeah. I need to buy that <laughs> <laughs> for myself, honestly. Cause I hate sauerkraut. I think it's gross, but I try to figure out ways to get fermented foods in. So I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a great hack. I need to get that.
2: <laughs> for sure. I, I know I, when I was eating dairy, I used to mix it in my, in my cottage cheese. That was like mm-hmm. my go-to I would mix it in my cottage cheese. Sometimes I would add some like hot sauce. Mm-hmm. And so for, for the children in my office that you eat dairy, I oftentimes will recommend, starting with, you know, mixing it in that, or you could mix it in applesauce. But I do think it's important, right, for them to get the texture mm-hmm. of the foods as well. And so not yeah. always mixing it into things because we want them to get used to it on its own yeah. as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say one other thing that I think gets kind of skipped over in Mm. the gut health conversation Mm. is this uh, idea of we cannot digest and absorb our food when we are in a stress state, Mm. right? So when we are in the sympathetic fight, flight, freeze state, our digestive system does not have the ability to properly digest our foods, Mm. meaning we are not getting actually the optimal amount of nutrients out of our foods. You could be eating all the superfoods you want, Mm -hmm. but if you're eating foods on the go, if you're eating foods and you're really, really stressed, we're not going to get the nutrient values out of that. So I oftentimes will recommend having some sort of intentional practice prior to meals. And again, this doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be a couple deep breaths prior to meals mm-hmm. or saying a prayer or giving thanks and showing gratitude mm-hmm. before our meals. Yeah. Um, I oftentimes in, in my Chronic constipation and in kiddos that come in with a lot of digestive symptoms, I will say, before meals, can we talk about our food? Can we look at it? Can we describe what we smell? Mm -hmm. Can we describe the colors? All of those things are are engaging our senses, Mm -hmm. which are one, calming our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And two, it's telling our brain to start secreting the enzymes and the acids to prepare our digestive system. It was a really easy, simple way to just. I was going to say that's so uh, doable. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, and I
1: also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just going to say, I think that is such a simple way to help children and families pause. Like the prayer before meals, Mm -hmm. the observing, the being like aware of what you're about to like Shove your face with, I think it's because so, I think so often we're like in a hurry and we're just grabbing yeah. and especially as a new mom for me, like sometimes I'm like eating standing up and don't even cut my food because that's all I can do. So it's like yeah. know your season too and do the best you can. But when you do have the capacity to sit down and be as like you know just not rested but kind of restful in how you're eating, like take advantage mm-hmm. of that, you know, and I have to constantly remind myself of that because it can be so easy to just like do seven things while you eat and you know yeah a <laughs> yes, like reminder, yeah, totally. <laughs> Okay. Something else I wanted to ask about is immune reactions. So I know there's like a lot more kids now who are having a variety of immune reactions, whether that's eczema, food allergies, and other conditions like that. So I'm curious, is this an area, or I know this is an area that can feel very overwhelming, but is this something that you can speak into? Like, what are some tips or strategies that you give to parents to help with these types of conditions?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we know that the atopic triad, so allergies, eczema, and asthma are on the rise. And so- if you are a listener and one of your children has one of these conditions or all three, I want you to know you're not alone mm-hmm. and you really do not need to go at this alone. You really deserve support in mm-hmm. this because they are very complex conditions individually. And then when we have all three, they are extremely complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I treat all three on a very regular basis in my office. And what the literature is showing and what I see in my office is that oftentimes there is a a, kind of a a thread between the three of gut dysfunction, Mm -hmm. poor immune response, Mm -hmm. right? The immune system is not working properly. And it is uh, kind of sensing that something in the environment is not safe, even though it is safe. Mm -hmm. And inflammation. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that I I think of. And oftentimes when I say somebody comes to see me, I usually will start with the foundations of health. Mm -hmm. Again, nutrition, sleep, and for gut health, really working on gut health. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes they will do a stool test. I will oftentimes do an organic acid test Mm -hmm. to get a, a good idea of what is going on in the digestive system, because it can be different for everybody something to do in the meantime if you're thinking like, oh gosh, I, I don't have anybody on my team right now and I want to start right away. Mm-hmm. Think about the foundations of health. We've talked about some of these things. And thinking about the inflammatory bucket is what I what I call or the toxic bucket, right? So these things in our environment, the things in our lifestyle that may be increasing our inflammation, adding to this toxic bucket mm-hmm. that have tipped over the a bucket. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing disease. Mm-hmm. So really prioritizing what is in our environment. Mm-hmm. Are we burning candles? Mm-hmm. Are we uh, using laundry detergent that has some chemicals in it that we could swap out? Mm-hmm. Is our, is our child eating a good amount of whole foods, mm-hmm. right? Getting back to those basics, decreasing stress and getting somebody on your team that will actually look at the root cause. Yeah. Um, because it pains me mm-hmm. when I have families that come in to see me 10 years after these diagnoses mm-hmm. because somebody told them or multiple providers told them that these that they will grow out of these things. Mm-hmm. And then they never did and mm-hmm. then they got worse, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and now it's significantly affecting their quality of life. Yeah. They may not be able to tr- travel because mm-hmm. they have severe peanut allergies mm-hmm. and they can't fly on a plane mm-hmm. or their child hasn't slept through the night in five years Mm -hmm. and then the whole family is stressed because of this yeah Really, finding somebody to look at the root cause and that's trained to look at the root cause, um, and not just put a bandaid on the symptoms. Although symptom management, especially in eczema, can be very helpful, especially at the beginning, so that our child or our children can get a good night's sleep because we we rest and repair when we're sleeping. And so I I think again, I'm not anti kind of traditional medical thinking and. some ways we do need symptom alleviation sometimes. And, and eczema is a really good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's
1: really helpful. Okay. One other question I have to kind of in the same vein is what it, what are your thoughts on like helping when, how do I say this? Like starting really young, like even when they're babies, I think about like breastfeeding even like what can we be doing as parents and as moms, even just like to support our child's gut health. Like I think of my son who had to be exposed to antibiotics during birth because I had to be on antibiotics and I'm like, okay, what can I be doing or what can we as moms be doing even while we're breastfeeding and they're just a few months old to, you know, not only repair maybe some gut, gut damage that has been already done, but set up their gut for success at such a young age.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Such a great question. So yes,
0: breastfeeding.
2: We know that breastfeeding directly correlates with improved gut health. So if uh, you are a breastfeeding mom, Kudos, if not, that's okay. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And if say a child has maybe had exposure to antibiotics or mom had exposure to antibiotics, or we are not breastfeeding, I do recommend a therapeutic infant probiotic. Mm-hmm. Uh so I often as will recommend Claire Labs uh, infant probiotic or smidge infant probiotic. Mm-hmm. And that can really support the microbiome starting from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Couple other things to think about mom taking a probiotic. Mm-hmm. We know that those microbes do get transferred via, mm-hmm. via breast milk. Mm-hmm. If we have animals on the home, we actually know that again, being exposed to animals early in life do decrease our risk for a- the atopic triad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if if you don't have animals and you have the the ability to get a, mm-hmm. a, get a dog or a cat in the house, um, that can be beneficial. And mom eating a ton of variety of foods, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Lots of diversity. Again, those are the biggest things we think about. And then again, the avoidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when we think about solid food introduction being very intentional so for me what I recommend and this is what the literature is kind of now catching up to is doing some sort of tastes is what I call them between four and six months of age so what we used to say right is no solid foods until six months of age and then at six months of age everything is fair game Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. everything is fair game (laughs) add in the rice cereals add in the grains add in the Mm meats, and when you think about it the immune system Six months of age. Whoa! (laughs) I haven't had any foods yet. My Mm -hmm. gut is not intact by six months of age. Mm -hmm. My gut is naturally leaky still Mm -hmm. at six months of age, Mm -hmm. and now we're flooding the digestive system with hard to digest food. Mm -hmm. So for me, I take a very different approach in my office, and I have I have a, a really in depth blog on my website about this. But what I recommend is between four and six months of age. It's starting with some sort of taste. And what I mean by that is say... Um, mom and dad are having a uh, sweet potato. We stick our finger in the sweet potato and we have baby lick off a very small amount of that sweet potato. Mm-hmm. Or if we are having, say, chicken and we have some like of the juices on the plate, have them lick some of the juices. Mm-hmm. Or we have an egg yolk, a runny egg yolk, have them have a very small amount of that egg yolk between four and six months of, months of age. We want them to have a very wide diversity of mm-hmm. very small small tastes between that time to really, what this is doing is it's priming the immune system, right? It's kind of like getting it ready, small doses, so that between six and nine months of age, when we do start introducing larger quantities of food, the immune system isn't like, whoa, I've never seen that food before. And I find in my office, the families that do do that, we have a significantly lower risk of allergies, eczema and asthma. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's so good. I I didn't know that you could do that. And now I'm like, makes so much sense. You're right. If you just like turn a switch on kids, babies, bellies are probably like, what is happening? Okay. That's good. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to do that personally.
2: (laughs) And Jordan, one thing, one thing to add there too, is when, when you talk to like grandmas, Mm -hmm. great grandmas, Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at other cultures Mm -hmm. outside of the United States, they do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you go out, to meals, mm-hmm. say in like Mexico, and there are babies there, or really, you know, four yeah. to six month of age infants. You see the elders offering very small amount of foods to mm-hmm. babies. Yeah, this is very um, innate. But culturally, right, we have to unlearn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to unlearn a lot of things that uh, culturally we have we have learned, but innately comes very. It it comes to us, right? Mm -hmm. It makes total sense when you hear it. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, we we do do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so
1: true. There's so many things generations before us did that have kind of been pushed to the wayside. But it's like this innate wisdom of like, well, if you go back and look out like our ancestors just did it or how other cultures are doing it, and they're actually doing probably better in some ways and didn't have yeah. all the issues and chronic illnesses and everything that we have. And I'm sure there's various reasons for that. But that's, interesting. Yeah. that's something to think about, you know, it's like, it's almost, Definitely. I just feel like we've complicated so many things that are actually very simple and mm-hmm. coming back. I feel like holistic health is like coming back home, you know, to like, yeah. how, have thing, how have humans done so things good. for generations? How are other cultures doing things? What can we learn from that? How do we get back to God's original design for our thriving? You know, like where have we gotten Absolutely. so like, I don't know, Far focused. Off. Yeah. So- with like such a convenience driven, fast paced culture, like, is that helping us? You know, it's just, it's just the question that yeah. we have to kind of ask, examine and and maybe, you know, like you said, even what you said with the sailboat, like shift a degree or two back to some of these things. It's, it's more about getting back to health than like creating a bunch of new stuff, but it feels new because we've almost been like, I don't want to say brainwashed, but we've just been given so much and done so many things. I would say like kind of, off the mark and away from the ways that we're just naturally designed to survive and thrive. So yeah,
0: yeah, this has been all so good.
1: good. I have a bajillion other questions I could ask you, but I will wrap here for the sake of time. Can you please share with us any resources you have? I know you have a program. I'd love if you can share about that and how we can find you, learn more from you, and also be aware of when your program is open.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I run a four-month live group virtual program called Healthy Families Collective. It's specifically for moms, and it is a foundational program where we go through all the foundations of health every other week together live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also recorded, but we go through things like nutrition, sleep, movement and play, the mental emotional aspect, gut health environment. And then we go through what our signs and symptoms, what is is a fever telling us about Mm -hmm. the body? Mm -hmm. What is eczema telling us about the body? Mm -hmm. And how can we, instead of trying to erase those symptoms, really lean into that intuition of the body Mm -hmm. and then course correct. Mm -hmm. Right. And then our last module is how to use natural medicine in the home. And this is something that um, I'm incredibly passionate about. And I feel like every family deserves to feel empowered and knowledgeable and Mm -hmm. equipped Mm -hmm. with using natural medicine in the home because Mm -hmm. it is effective. It's safe. uh, It's oftentimes much more cost effective Mm -hmm. and in today's world, it's very needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go through how to use homeopathy in the home, how to use a nebulizer, mm-hmm. uh, how to dose herbals mm-hmm. at home, right, is a really big question I get. Mm-hmm. And so we go through all of that. Awesome. We launched this group a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find more information on our website, youngmedicine.com. I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Period Michelle underscore Young. Awesome.
1: I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you for everything that you've shared. This has been so insightful and just in- not only encouraging and insightful, but I think also feels very applicable and doable for those who may feel like they're at the beginning of their journey or even in the middle of it and just feeling overwhelmed because they're just getting information overload. Like, kind of going back Mm -hmm. to the basics, simplifying a little bit, starting somewhere, you know, that we can sustain and then just building from there is so, so good. And I love that you have this program. I'm like, I need to check that out. Uh, But thank (laughs) you. Thank you. This has been so good. And I've really enjoyed chatting with you.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. I feel really honored. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see
1: you tuning into this show.